Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, welcome to series two of the ultimate TV podcast, Soap from the Box. This series, there are two episodes every single Sunday, so make sure you listen to the other one right after you listen to this one. I'm Lee Salisbury and I directed some of the country's biggest soaps for over 10 years and in this podcast speak to some of the biggest stars. And this particular star is also a brilliant friend and she is amazing. So enjoy. So my next guest on the podcast uh, was introduced into Emmerdale in February 2007 as the nurse who looked after Tom King's wife, Mary. She's known for a hell of a lot more than that. She's one of my really good friends. I love her to bits. Linda Lusardi, hello. Hello, are you all right, Lee? I'm good. It's so lovely to catch up in this socially distanced computer thing way. Well, it's better than not catching up at all because I haven't seen you for donkey's years. Have I haven't you? seen you. I know. I don't think I've seen you since I came around your house. And we did. I mean, I might have seen you after that, but we did. Linda, basically, everyone has got the best room with a huge karaoke machine. It's not just a karaoke machine. It's like being in a private members club. And um, I think we sung for hours and hours, didn't we, on that? We did. We did. How long ago was that, though? Well, it's before Lucy. I mean, it's when Lucy and Jack, obviously, your son and daughter, were younger. And Lucy, but I would just remember then thinking... Oh my God, Lucy and Sam are seeing. I just thought Lucy's got an incredible voice. And obviously, look what's happened to her now. Yeah, well, she's got a, a Christmas EP out, if anyone's listening. <laughs> oh God, well, we must plug that. I'm going to come to them later. But well, I always start with a memorable moment. And it's the first thing that pops into my head. And the first thing that popped into my head with me and you was we used to, do you remember when you were in Emmerdale, we used to, where there was a little social group of us, we used to probably go to a restaurant that's closed now called Cafe Guru about 10 times a week. Oh yeah, that was the only good place to go, wasn't it? It was. And I just remember you were on Dancing on Ice at the time and lovely Dan Wisdom was up. And we'll talk about Dancing on Ice later, but I remember we were, we probably had a few wines. Um, and you, you showed us the routine around the restaurant with Dan. I oh my goodness yes I you did the lifts and everything and I think some people's glasses went flying and <laughs> oh, I know. we did have a laugh I must say my Emmerdale days I do look back with, with really fond memories because we did have such a laugh and a real a good group of people you know that we often went out and socialized and it, it was like oh no who's it's a school night we've got to go back I know but I think we were all in the same position. The lot of us that went out, most of us, we obviously didn't live in Leeds. I mean, I, at the time you were in it, I'd only just kind of come up here. So it was kind of, you didn't have a, 
you know, it was either go out or stay in a kind of hotel room or a flat, wasn't it? Yeah. So I'm going to start, though, with I do a little quiz, first of all, which, you know, don't warn you about. And most people get the questions. It's a kind of it will lead me through your time on Emmerdale to see if you can remember stuff. I actually didn't know a couple of these things. So the first question is, how much percentage of Home Farm did Tom King leave his secret daughter, Scarlett, who was obviously your daughter as well? I think that he probably split it evenly between um, Nick, Carl and her. So a third. No, it was a fourth, a fourth, a fourth, a fourth, because there was another one, wasn't there? There was Matt. Which would be what, two, four, six, eight, that'd be 25%. No, it was yeah. actually 10%. Uh, so he didn't quite leave Scarlet that much. Now this I didn't know, and this came out, and everyone can listen um, to the first series of Soap from the Box and the Christmas special with Tom Lister, who revealed this, that I didn't know. Oh, I've actually just given away the answer. I was going to say, which King brother lost his virginity to Carrie when he was a teenager? Oh, that, oh I know that. That was Carl. I know. I was. I didn't never knew that. I think, oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I mean, he was really chuffed on the podcast that he was part of. Oh, was he? Yeah, that he had that backstory. He said, because obviously he slept his way around the village, uh, Carl, not Tom. And uh, I think he was most proud that he was attached to you for that and that he had Emily Simons as his first bit of stuff when he joined the show. So, I mean, Carrie came in basically with a bit of a, you know, a bit of a backstory in the people she slept with. Oh, no, it was marvellous because, you know, I only knew bits of it when we started. And as the script started to unfold, I had this wonderful scene with Carl where he actually said, well, you were my first and all this. And I went, my first? What's he mean? I went, oh, my God. I <laughs> Oh, it must have been a quiet little goer when I was. Uh, with I know when Carrie. I mean, yeah. So you've. I mean, especially with the King family, Carrie obviously took a very good liking to the King family and everyone in it. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, you know, I, I and I certainly, um, obviously, had Kelsey on the side, didn't I? You know, Tom's baby, and then came back for the funeral. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, you joined, obviously, you joined at an amazing time as well, because you came in, like we said, at Tom's funeral, and that was after the huge Who Killed Tom King storyline. So, I mean, were you a fan of, I mean, as I've always said, I was never a fan of Emmerdale when I joined. So it wasn't as, you know, when I joined EastEnders, I was more kind of like, oh, my God, it's so-and-so. Had you watched Emmerdale before? Were you kind of, a, you know, was it weird joining a show like this? Because obviously people, it, everyone knows about it, but were you a fan of it or was it kind of all quite new to you? Well, I'd, I'd grown up with it, you know, when it was called Emmerdale Farm. Um, and, uh, you know, I dipped in and out, really, because in those days, the storylines were very slow. So you could miss like six episodes and nothing much had happened. Another sheep had been born or something. But <laughs> as time went on, and then I, I did used to watch it a little bit. Um, but obviously, when I knew I was going in it, uh, I mean, I actually got the part when I was down in pantomime in Plymouth. So you couldn't get much further away from Leeds. No, God, I had no. days off, and even overnight sometimes, and in the morning, I was casting, I was being cast and casting Kelsey to play my daughter and flying up and down. So I started to watch it, you know, avidly then because I knew I was yeah. going to be in it. So the Tom King storyline, I knew every character by the time I did my first scene, which was in the Woolpack, which was very scary. Oh, God, yeah, what a way to go. Well, a few people have said on this, Nina Wadi, I remember saying, actually, which is a really good piece of advice for anyone going to soap and you that you watched it intently is it's quite good to watch before you go in because you know how to then play you know where to pitch your character do you know what I mean because but you don't you kind of don't want to cut because as we all know now and people listening will know by now 
that it's very, you know, you get the part which might take months and then suddenly you're hitting the ground running and, you know, you probably had 20 episodes go out before you've even had a chance to catch your breath. So did you, you know, did you go in with a, a you thought, right, this is how I'm going to play it? You know, or, often you look at other people think, right, that might be a bit missing from the village. Do you know what I mean? So this is how I'm going to play Carrie. Well, they didn't write her very dominant. Um, so I, I made her a little bit more forceful than they'd written her, I think. Um, but the thing was, because of this panto season, they, as you know, they shoot in two-week blocks. Well, when I finished, I had a whole week of doing my whole block in three days. So oh, my God. I, I, went, I flew to um, Leeds, and then I had three solid days of filming all my scenes. I was in every single scene of every single day. To wow. Up. And they were all with, do you remember Lin, Linda Thorson? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Who could forget Linda Thorson, who played Rosemary King? Yes, Rosemary King. So, um, you know, um, yeah. and then I had the big funeral scenes and I had the stuff with the boys. So it was all heavy going. So I didn't even have a chance to get nervous, really. I just had to focus on the lines and get them out and do it. And Shirley watched my first um, scene. Oh, my God. And she came up to me and she said, that was lovely, Linda, but bring it down a tiny bit. And I said, oh, thank you so much, Shirley. I've just been on stage for like, you know, six weeks. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I had brought it down. I said, Do I, can I bring it down quite a bit more? She said, no, just a bit. You're just a tiny bit big. Um, and it was the best bit of advice. She was so gorgeous and so lovely to me. And I remember the first scene was in the wall pack and I walked in and all the boys were sat in the booth it wasn't. It wasn't shot in chronological. Uh, oh, I can't say that word. What they in order? Oh, chronological order. Chronolog- yeah, you, yeah, I still can't say it. What is it? <laughs> what is it? Yeah, this. Uh, no, note to all directors and writers: they never give Linda Lusardi the word chronological. Chronological. That's it. I haven't. There we go. There we go. You got it now. Chronological. I've got it now. Um. So the first scene was in the wallpack, and I walked in, and I thought, oh, good. They were they were setting up the cameras, and I thought, that's good. It's my back view. Because I was looking at the at the booth that had a wooden wall behind it, and so they shot it, and I thought, oh, we've done it now. And they said, now you're close up. And I thought, well, how? And then, oh, no. and then they took the wall away, and I thought, oh my god, I have got a close up in this shot. I didn't. Really- and again, we've not actually we've not mentioned this to people listening. So what happens in the wall? But I was shocked by this. Is suddenly when I was camera script and you join, you're like, well, how do you film this? And suddenly you you know the props guys would be like, oh, you just lift that latch and like a whole back wall or wherever, or there there'd be photo pictures in some you know uh some uh sets that would just come out so you can fit a camera through yeah so up came the flap and then went the camera and I thought oh gosh I've got a full full view of me or <laughs> having a go at them so it was it was very very scary but I just thought well I've got to do it I've just got to get on with it you know but the character did evolve into what she became in the end which was a bit of a naggy mum actually I, I the amount of times I shouted scarlet 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 <laughs> in the last few episodes before I left but uh, no I just going back to Shirley Stelfox because actually we dedicated the Christmas episode to her because all all of Nicola Nick and Tom when I asked them who their favorite character was all said Edna Birch and actually she takes shit like I think she used to do that which I love and we talk about this lots that like I think soaps are really going to suffer losing their matriarchs like people like because she she cared about the show so much I remember when I joined she said to me she came up and she said now, I've heard everyone likes you. She said, I'm the one you need to impress. Oh, <laughs> and we did a couple of scenes. And again, she was, but you, you know, when you gain someone's trust like that, you do feel it, like you said as well, you remember that. It kind of makes you feel at ease, doesn't it then? Well, it was wonderful because 
you know, everybody around must have thought, well, maybe Linda's doing, you know, the lines a bit large and a bit larger than life, you know, um, which you have to be on stage. And I, I was, you know, conscious of bringing it right down. But to have her tell me was just fantastic. I said, thank you so much, Shirley. And if you spot anything else, she'd, I will, darling, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how was it for you? Because obviously you'd done, you'd done acting work and you do, but was it, you know, was it a choice, you know, when you got offered Emmerdale, I always think, is it that thing of going, God, I mean, obviously you're in people's living rooms. It's one of the biggest shows. If you're not well-known, it changes your life overnight. And if you're well-known, I think you get judged even more um, because people have, have got that thing of wanting to kind of almost people to, you know, not live up to the person they want them to be in a soap they love. Did you feel, did you ever kind of doubt going in? Did you ever feel that pressure of like, oh my God? Yeah, I, well, I was, I was absolutely gobsmacked. I got the part because although I'd done a lot of stage acting and I, and I think I'd done quite a bit in the bill and by that time and I'd done bits and bobs here and there, to get a regular character in a soap, I just thought, well, no one will ever give that to me because of my past and because they think, oh, well, she's a model, what, you know, she's not an actress, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I was really grateful them for, to them for taking a chance with me. Um, you know, I know that the producer had seen some of my work and I did go up and do a screen test um, and I had to wear my glasses because it was a script I hadn't seen before. So I was, oh, right. I was shouting <laughs> I was shouting at Nick Mills and sort of saying, um, uh, Nick Miles rather, and saying, uh, you know, shouting at him, but with the script in my hand and my glasses on because I couldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and I think he thought to himself, oh, my God, if she gets this, I'll be amazed. Well, you know, Charlotte Bellamy said to me on her podcast, she did screen tests and she said she was, she knew she was awful. And apparently when uh, there were six of them and apparently John, she found out afterwards, John had said to the producers, basically anyone, but, you know, number three, who was Charlotte. Yeah. So she said when she walked on set for the first time, you could see John's face going, oh my God, they've given it to her. I know, I know. But auditions can be, as we all know, and people out there, I think people again out there, they're listening, won't realise that big stars like you still have to audition. It's not like it just comes to you on a plate. Oh, yes, I had to audition. And then, I, as I say, I had to do the screen test with having had no sleep because I'd flown through the night from, from Portsmouth. And um, I was I was awful. I thought I was awful. And at one point, I thought, I can't keep looking at this, this script because uh, I can't act properly reading it off the script when I'm supposed to be shouting in his face. So I just ad-libbed. I just mopped <laughs> up. So I had a right go at him that wasn't even written down. Oh, that, well, Linda, that probably gave you the bloody part because not many people can do that. Well, at least they could see she can do it, but not with our lines in that particular moment. But Oh, well, that's amazing. Back to the quiz. Which cottage did Scarlett buy with the money for her and you or Carrie to move into? Oh, it was the one by the phone box, but I don't know what its name is. Yeah, well, that, I'll give you that. It's Millbrook, but yeah, it's one yeah. by the phone box. And I was going to I only ask that because I'm sure like me, when you first, I don't think there's any other set in any other programme like the Emmerdale Village, is there? Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. And actually, when I viewed that cottage, because I viewed it with Scarlett in a, in a view of buying it, it was a derelict, wasn't it? So, yeah. um, you know, it was nice to see it all be done up just for me to move into. It was lovely. And again, did you like, because I think when people join soap, I always think, A, the first outfit they normally wear is nothing like what they become because they kind of, you know, like if you're a, I mean, Sammy Winwood said she was supposed to be kind of a, you know, she rode a motorbike some sometimes. So they, you know, kitted her up in full professional motorbike gear. Um, and like with a cottage, again, people have said they learn a lot when you go into your set because of how it's decorated. It kind of gives you a sense of what they think the character is. Well, it was very countryfied, which I'm not at all. 
Um, but I do remember the first the first time you ever saw me on screen. I'd got a long black leather coat on, and because my hair goes is really curly and fuzzy, um, needs lots of product, and it was raining. Um, they gave me a a hat. But oh, did you wear a hat? I had a hat, but it wasn't a hat hat. It was like a beret. Oh, yeah. So I, I was like, all I was missing was the onions, really. <laughs> Like from an OLO. But I did have a little cap on my beret. It was a little like peaked sort of cap. Um, but it was more like a beret with a peak. But um it was very strange. It was nothing you know, I'd, and later on in the show I would never have worn anything like that. So it was quite odd. But they'd put it to stop my hair going fuzzy because I'd been outside all day at the funeral, you know. And I'm sure makeup and hair were going, oh no, we've got another one who gets frizzy hair in the rain. Yeah, so they said, oh, let's stick a hat on there. Because I did say, when you do my fringe in the morning, it won't be like that if I've stood out for four or five hours in the rain. And we always say again, people behind the scenes, like that, that's the thing, we, we film it out of order, chronological order. So, and you always do, which a lot of actors don't know this, I don't know whether you knew this, but you always would do the outside scenes first so you know what the weather was like so you can replicate it inside. Yeah. Well, I don't um, think that always happens, does it, on Emmerdale? No, well, I don't think it, I think they can't really. Know. I think, you know what, on EastEnders, they have to do it because they do loads of scenes of people walking straight through the door and you can never do the other side. So but there was another funny story that Sid Owen went on holiday in between doing the walking in the front door. <laughs> so he walked in like 10 shades darker. <laughs> oh, no, I know. I do remember doing a scene with Linda Thorson and... Um, well, she won't mind me saying this because it's true. But we were sat on the sofa doing this thing and she went, Linda, you always look so nice on camera. She said, um, do you think my lipstick's too dark? I said, well, I never wear I never wear dark lipstick. I wear dark lipstick for a picture, but not on screen because I think it makes your lips look thin and it makes you look older. So she said, oh, right, okay. So she wiped off her lipstick, this is halfway through a scene, and put on this oh. pink. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh, shit. She can't do that. Anyway, the makeup woman came home and said, no, no, you can't do that, Linda. We'll have to put the red back on because you can't be one shot of you talking and then the next shot your lips are a different colour. She said, okay. So she put the red back on and then during during us talking in the series, she took her bag out, got her tissue out while she's doing her lines, wiped her lips and put the pink on. Oh my god! I mean, Linda Thorson. Yes, yeah, so many stories about Linda Thorson. But anyway, so you—I mean, you had brilliance. I mean, you were there for a short, you know, a year. But then within that year, I mean, you had brilliant storylines. You worked with some great people as well. Obviously, Kelsey. Um, you then had a big thing, you know, with Kelly Windsor, Adele, who came in because she was trying to woo Jimmy, Jimmy back. I mean, those must have been fun scenes because Adele's a brilliant character actress. I Kelly Windsor is probably one of my favorite characters ever. In um, oh, they're all—they're all fabulous and. Um... No, and I was I was delighted when I got heavy scenes, you know, arguing with Adele and stuff, um, you know, and, and and also Nick, you know, plays Jimmy King was fantastic to work with as well, and I made some close friends, you know, as you know, with Charlie Webb, who yes, daughter. We were, you know, she was. I think she was about nineteen twenty then, and there was me in my sort of late forties, and we were best friends. It was weird. Well, we were the group. It was weird actually because Charlie. There's always, you know, as we know, Charlie's amazing. And Glynis, I think, then came in after you. And Glynis kind of, she's always had, Charlie always has this kind of mother figure in a way. Yeah. And I think you kind of had that because obviously Sally Oliver came in and it was revealed in the show. It wasn't, she came in as your sister and then revealed as as the daughter. And I think Sally, and again, Sally won't mind me saying this. Sally was kind of a, is quite, she's not a nervous actress. She's an amazing actress, but very not 
wanting the fame, you know, in the spotlight. And I think everyone, you know, you probably were a bit of a mother figure to her, weren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And she had some difficult scenes that she first, you know, when she first came in, she had to climb through. Oh, I always remember that. Yeah, and she was so yeah, nervous. Wasn't she? And, and catch her dress on the bush outside. So by the time she got into the kitchen, she was just in her bra and pants. And this is her first scene. I just, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, she's absolutely stunning. You know, there's no, no, no worries in that area. But um, it was just very daunting for her. And, uh, you know, we did. We all got very, very close. And um, such tremendous actresses and um, great friends and, and great to work with. You know, we did have a, a good laugh and a good, you know, social time. Oh, we did. Well. It was amazing. And I remember, I mean, I remember, you know, Maisie has just done Strictly, and uh, not one, but just done Strictly. And, I mean, I remember Maisie and EastEnders working, I mean, as Tiffany, uh, when she was tiny, and it's, like, mad to see her. And we, it, with Kelsey, I think, when we worked with her, obviously we used to go to Cafe Gear and her mum, Sue, used to come because she was her... Chaperone, um, yeah. And, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? It must be even more for you when you see Kelsey on The Voice and stuff. You're like, oh, my God, like, where did the time go? I know, I know. Well, I see it with... I remember you, you'd kindly put My Little Lucy in one of... Um, the little birthday parties. Um, I oh, did remember. I? Yeah, Belle's birthday party. I think she was seven or eight. Oh, wow. Um, you know, my daughter's 24 now. It just, just unbelievable. Oh, God, unbelievable. And Kelsey actually sung us out of the Christmas episode. I mean, her, like Lucy, I mean, it's quite bizarre, actually, that your screen daughter and your actual daughter have both got the most amazing voices yeah, ever. Absolutely. Um, now, so you were mentioned, uh, there's so much to talk to you about that I want to get off Emmerdale. So I'm going to say you were mentioned, you probably won't know the answer to this. I'm hoping you don't to, to reveal this to you, but you were mentioned after you left. Um, do you know, you uh, you obviously left to be with Nick, your ex, who I don't think was ever on screen, was he? Or he popped in yeah, for a bit? It was, it was Sam, my Sam, my husband. <laughs> oh, of course it was your Sam. He came, of course. He came and did my leaving storyline and I went into Brookside to do his leaving storyline. Oh, that's amazing. So do you know where you ended up getting married, you two, in the show but that was mentioned? I think we went to Canada. No, you got married in Thailand. Oh, I got married to him, did I? Yeah, you got married to him in Thailand and then you moved to Canada. Oh. Yeah, so I, I knew you would know that. And then do you remember, we won't, again, this was mentioned off screen years later. Do you, do you know what Carrie sent Lexi for her wedding? No. She sent her a, a garter. Oh, did I? Yes. Oh, they're keeping me alive then. I know, they're keeping you alive. I mean, I was. did you ever get asked to go back to Sally's wedding or not? No, I didn't. I wish I had had a gone. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's nice is that, well, you're still connected because we joked on the Christmas episode about Nicola, the fact that if Nicola probably wasn't coming back, you might have stayed with Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, I might have. Well, I think they'd got plans for me. It was, you know, it was my my choice the, to leave. decision to leave, yeah. It just became a bit hard because my kids were so young and not living in Leeds and the kids were at school and Sam was working and it just all became a bit too difficult, really. And then I think I got offered Dancing on Ice and I just thought well this is a good time to go and, and focus on the ice skating and then you know I've been there done that and uh, you know I'd, I'd love to go back for a bit but um it is a well, time 24 and hours. you have brilliantly taken me on to dancing on ice and I've got a little surprise message for you that I'm just going to play hopefully you can hear it hi Elaine it's oh. Dan your skating partner I just wanted to phone and say hello and just remind you of all those amazing times we had together. When you moved me into your house, we'd have a lovely spread and a lovely little sambuca shot. Um, and then we'd come in the next morning with total hangovers. But I had the best time and thank you for being such a good friend. All right, doll. I'll see you soon. Bye, love. 
Oh. oh, that's amazing. Do you know, I've never lost touch with Daniel, but doing this uh, Full Monty, which I just finished, um, he was head of the skating choreography. Oh, was he? Yeah, oh, brilliant. So my first day on it, there he was. And to skate around an empty ice ring with him holding my hand for the first time in 14 years was just like a dream come it, true. God, is it 14 years? 14 years ago, that was. Oh, my God. That is crazy. Because, I mean, I remember I said to Dan earlier when I spoke to him, because, I mean, you made me, luckily through you, I was friends with him because he's one of the loveliest people ever. Oh, absolutely. Um, as you are, I remember we went into Leeds one day and as we, I remember we went into Fibre, I think it was the gay bar, and we ended up kind of doing loads. I think we went Christmas shopping or something. It turned into us having a bottle of Sambuca or something. I do remember that evening very well. And do you not remember what we did to you? No, what did you do? Well, we were having shots of Sambuca. But you were the only one that had Sambuca in your little... Oh, yes, you were having bloody water. He was swigging them back, swigging them back, and you were swigging <laughs> them back, and, and you were so drunk. <laughs> remember, we dropped you back at the hotel, and like you didn't even know where you were. Oh, yeah, I think I thought I was in France or something. Yeah, was that it was night? A really good night. <laughs> oh, it was a really good night. Oh, it's, I, I remember that night, but don't remember that. So let's go back to the beginning. You were born in Wood Green. I'm not going to say when you were born, of well, course. It's Palmer's Green because Wikipedia, oh, Palmer's Green. Wikipedia isn't always right. No, no Palmer's, Palmer's Green. Green. Okay. And you were born to Lillian and Nello, with best name ever. And it's an Italian descent, aren't they? Are they both your parents or just your dad? No, just my dad was from Italy. Um, and well, from an early age, I mean, were you always, uh, you know, did did uh, this industry run in your family or were you the first to kind of want to do something in this industry? Um, it didn't run in the industry. My dad was very, very outgoing and he was singing all the time, whistling, and he was always the life and soul of the party. And he, he would have been ideal to have been on stage, but he wasn't. He was a master joiner, like a carpenter. Um, my mother worked in a tax office. My mum's very quiet and quite studious and completely the opposite from him. And I'm a bit more like him, although I was always, you know, the, the one that messed about at school and was always getting detention, quite naughty um, and quite out there. Like we've got, you know, family video of me doing dances in the garden and, you know, flinging my clothes off, believe it or not, <laughs> at the age of about three or four. And um, but put me on a stage and I would just crumble. I was had no confidence if I was, you know, putting the limelight at all. Um, so it was quite a shock, really, that I ended up doing what you I You went in that way, yeah. I mean, I actually, I mean, re I was really shocked to myself recently. I went, I did this show on a cruise ship a year and a half ago and drunk again, obviously, the crew. We we entered this karaoke competition not knowing it was the voice. And on this big, you know, big, expensive cruise ship, it was the proper voice. So then I got into the final of the voice. I had the big chairs and everything. And I totally crumbled on the stage, even though, obviously, as you know, I'm quite outgoing and stuff. But yeah. I, obviously, I'm not that side of the camera. Um, and it was bizarre to me going, oh, because I thought actually, not that I know I've got the best voice, but I thought I'd be fine standing on stage, but actually I fell apart. I know. It, it is, you know, people, you know, that when I watch these shows like The Voice and, you know, like Britain's Got Talent, people are in their armchairs at home, I don't think take into consideration the nerves. I mean, I know when I did Dancing on Ice, the first time we skated out to a live audience in the studio and live to the nation... <laughs> 
on ice skates. Honestly, my kneecaps were going up and down. I, I said, Dan, I can't even move, let alone skate. He just said, right, just pretend we're in the, you know, we're in the rehearsal. Pretend we're just at the, the training ring, you know, um, because the nerves are, are so destructive to your performance. They really yeah. are. Well, I came to see you on dancing. I always remember, I mean, you were amazing in it. And I just remember being there thinking, God, this is so nerve wracking, actually. I think, I think actually, all I remember about Dancing Eyes, you only got, we were there for hours, you only got like a, a little hot dog. <laughs> yeah, a hot dog and a bag of sweets and a, a, a bottle of water or something. I know, it's a long night because you used to have to sit there and wait for, I think, the news went on at home and something yeah. else while they got and the like a, I mean, have you ever been to Strictly? Because that's the same, because you have to record both shows. So, you, I mean, you're there for hours. Oh, give that away. Oh no, sorry. Well, I think they, I think it's kind of because there's spoilers actually to, for whoever goes out on the Sunday nights. I think it's already given away. Hopefully, oh, is it? all right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I used to sit at home thinking, my goodness, they put all that makeup on again just to do the, you know, the bits where the lights go out, and then I realised. Yeah, no, they record it all on the same night, the same yeah. order. Um, but then, obviously, a big part of your career, which I don't think I've really talked about, but at the age of 18, you started to appear as a page three model. You went, that was in 1976, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, until 1988, which is amazing. And I think people listening to this who are younger won't probably understand even the concept now, because I don't. it obviously doesn't exist anymore. How do you feel about it now, I suppose, that? I mean, what was that like at the time, taking that on? Um, at the time... Uh, things were very, very different. I think, yeah. um, you know, you had topless girls at the car showrooms and, you and uh, the, you know, the... the yeah, Miss World, and you had, the, you know, beauty contests on holiday. Yeah, it was very different. And, you know, I, I don't know, it was all the Benny Hill show was on telly. It wasn't... It was all done t- sort of tongue-in-cheek and very, yeah. uh, you know, seaside postcardy. It wasn't thought of as a very sexual thing, whereas... It doesn't fit in today's world at all. Um, you know, I'm glad they don't do it anymore. I'm glad that the sun stopped doing it because, you know, we've moved on in such a, a massive amount of way. I just, but going back to the time I did it, I loved it. I had a ball. I travelled all over the world doing calendars and there was always six girls that went on the, on the trip and and I think we say, you know, like you say times have changed, but it's a habit. In a way, I think, I, uh, you know, on my Pop for the Box podcast, we're talking about this in the 80s and 90s, very innocent times in That's a way. That's what I was looking for, innocent. Yes, it was. And I think, you know, I think there's nothing, I don't think it's any, for me, say a group like Little Mix, who I love, but who are very highly sexualized in their videos. Yeah. Um, and I just think in a way, page three models, even being a young boy, when I was straight as well, even being a young boy, it wasn't in a way that so it almost opened up the woman's body to, an, you know, like it made you aware of it, but in an innocent kind of way, you know, it made you, whereas I think nowadays, with you know, the, the pop stars and stuff, it's almost worse. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And obviously, you know, the fact that you, every child that's got a phone in their hand can see what they want anything that they want to access um but I don't know I mean I think you know a lot of the people that wrote to me in those days and a lot of the people that bought the papers uh, they were women and they were fans yeah I think you were I think it was in people probably of course there'll be a massive audience saying how degrading it was to women I think it's almost it was almost very empowering to women as well to be proud of their bodies even though I suppose now it would be seen to do like it was just for men's appetite. But like you said, women wrote to you. I think it made 
a statement of like, I mean, it's almost like when Madonna did what she did all the time, which was to shock, but to shock in that way of going, well, I'm a woman and I can still shock. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a difficult one for me because, you know, I think if, if my daughter tried to do it or something, I wouldn't want her to do it now, but um, because it's, as I say, it's looked on in a, it's a different a world. Different yeah. Way. It's looked on in a different way. Now, it what, can, did your, what did your parents think at the time? Were they like, Oh God, well, my mum was a bit old God. My dad was, <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, and, you know, if I used to go shopping or do anything. If people didn't recognise me, he'd be going, don't you know who she is? And I was like, Dad, shut up, you know. And, <laughs> um, but he was so proud. They, and I think once my mum realised I was earning good money, I was having a good time, I'd made great friends, and that it was all above board. It wasn't some sleazy back street you were going to. You were going to big studios. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and also you were a woman, you know, I mean, I mean, for people, again, who are younger and don't know, I mean, you were, I'm not putting you in the same boat as these, but like reality stars now are huge. Page three models were huge. You know, you were... You know, you were A-list stars. You had Samantha Fox, Melinda, later on Melinda Messenger, Kathy Lloyd, Maria Whitaker. Like, really, I mean, I just, still I remember the names, and it's not just because of taking their clothes off. Like, you were huge stars, weren't you? Well, we did so much other stuff, and it was really, um, Claire Short MP tried to ban it back in God knows when, in the 90s, and they were looking for a spokesperson, and it ended up me debating with her on television and doing stuff and, and supporting the girls. And from that, I ended up being asked on the Cannonball Christmas show oh. and the large show. And, and that's how I moved into telly, really, because of Claire Short. So I have to thank her for that, really. Yeah, and almost you're in, I suppose you're inspirational because, A, you wouldn't know, you're the kind of person as I know you are. It's like it's not, like you said, it was different times, but also it would have worked now, obviously, because we are in totally different times. But not saying we're in better times, because I think social media is horrendously worse than anything we had when I was younger and at that point. Um, but, I mean, was there competition, you know, on the fun side? Was there, I mean, I remember you and Sam Fox. Uh, was there Was there kind of inward competition with you girls? Um, only as much as for an acting job, really. You go to castings. You go to castings. Yeah, with the same people, yeah. And you, you take your big book of photographs. And you'd go in and they'd sit down and say, what have you done? And then they'd look at the, the, the pictures. And then, you know, you'd come out and see friends of yours. So there was a bit of um, sort of competitiveness job, but only as much as there is in the acting world, really. 2005, you were voted the best page three model ever. And that was great because that was like years after I'd given up. You know? I know, amazing. So you'll go down in history as that. And I think, like we say, you know, like, carry on and stuff you look at that now which I still absolutely love but I mean it was basically much more than post you know Barbara Windsor getting it's like a it's weird isn't it because it was innocent times it was like you said it's seaside it's like panto in a way it's yeah it's kind of the UK's part of our history that I don't think we should ever be ashamed of because I think it does shape things you know yeah yeah, no, I um, absolutely agree. Um, I was going to say, so after all that happened, um, before, I mean, like I said, I mean, it, it's probably you and Toy Wilcox I work with that my dad's been most amazed going, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're working with Lily Sardi. Obviously, my dad did love posting. But before Emmerdale, you you were in The Bill. You did Hollyoaks. Like you said, you did Brookside um, and TV. But then you've obviously done loads of stage. I never realised you played Eliza Doolittle in Pygmalion at the Malvern Festival. Yeah, that was probably the first sort of seriously part I did. Um, what a part to have. I know, and what a fight I had to get it as well because the producer gave me the part, Kevin Wood, 
And um, it was uh, anniversary down in Malvin and, and Bernard Shaw actually was born in Malvin. So it was a big deal. And the council at Malvin said, well, we can't have her play Liza Doolittle. Oh, right, OK. Uh, so I had to go and have tea with the council down there. Oh, <laughs> and one councillor said, well, if she plays it, I'm resigning. Anyway, oh, I had tea my. with them all. And they all realised that, I, you know, I wasn't walking around in next and that, you know. My yeah, you weren't walking around with your boobs out constantly. No, and, um, you know, that I'd had some acting, you know, I'd done quite a bit on stage before and that Kevin is a great producer and wouldn't have given me the part if I couldn't do it. And, um, well, this guy had to resign because I got the part. That's they, brilliant. All the rest of them were happy with me doing it. That's amazing. Yeah, well, I, think that's the thing. I think I think and that still exists as we know especially in soap that people are like oh they're just soap actors and probably like you would have had through your career oh she's not an actor because it's not the main thing you were known for and it's just so unfair and I love that that you proved everyone wrong in Emmerdale and you know all those doubters and it, it it's it's just a shame that that still exists the the fact especially of soap actors that like soap actors basically if you're in a soap and you you're successful you can do anything Absolutely. And you have to learn your lines so quickly. You get very little rehearsal, not very much direction. And it's down to you to just make it work, isn't it? In the short time that you're given. I remember saying to you, and that's the thing, like you don't get much direction from, I think, other directors. Uh, but so You were fabulous, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember saying to actors in the pub, because often writers, and no, no offence to writers, because it's such a machine in a way, but I remember I, we did one scene and you were like, I wouldn't be next to them. And I was like, well, obviously, God, I'll move you. And uh, I think you should always have actors in mind. If you don't, you know, you can play a lot in your face, but always you have to stand up for your character because otherwise, you, you know, you can be next to someone who killed your mum 20 years yeah. ago. <laughs> also, you know, you then you get another set of writers on the next block and they've made you say something co totally contradictive of what you said the last time, you know. Um, so it, you're the only one that knows what your character's up to and they're yeah, totally. the storyline that's run through the whole series. You know, you, each writer thinks, oh, they're this person. And they, they don't take into account things that have happened in the past in the story. I didn't know you did this. You did your own show to the British forces as well. You're like Vera Lynn. You went to Belize, Falklands. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a that was an experience. Um, you know, we went up in, uh, oh, the big big helicopters. What they The Waka Wakas, they're called. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the yeah, we, we flew around in one of those. And I remember we went up to... Uh, Port Stanley and then we went up up into the hills and it was so misty that they were hanging out the door of the helicopter going left a bit right a bit trying to find oh my god there. um it, quite it was quite harrowing in some respects because I remember some of the the uh, ports we went to um you know there were young army boys there that had been stuck there for two years since wow. years and there was a high rate of suicide and um, you know, it wasn't all, you know, fun and... No, 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 yeah. You know? And we put the shows on and they loved it because they hadn't seen anything from home or girls or all this sort of thing for years. Um, and the, the shows, sometimes we'd be doing them in, like, corrugated buildings where the rain was coming on the stage and all the oh dark flipping around and falling over. And oh, it was quite funny. But amazing, I think things like that put life into perspective, how lucky we are to do the oh, job we do in a way. Absolutely. But let's move on to, because you've recently, like you said, done the full Monty, which is amazing. Um, a, because like I text you going, you've got to see people like Ashley Banjo naked, incredible. But obviously, 
for a really important reason. I mean, what was I watched? I mean, I've watched. I've watched the first one. I've watched the second one. I loved the fact that when Ashley being Ashley, because obviously. Who wouldn't want to take their clothes off if you were Ashley Banjo? Was like, right, let's do a picture. And everyone's like, uh, could we stand our dressing gowns? I mean, it must have been a weird, obviously you posed before, but it must be a weird, it must be weird suddenly having to be in that. Well, do you know what? Everyone thought it'd be easy for me. But like I said, I only used to go in a studio with one photographer. I yeah. stand in front of, you know, the nation and flash myself. Um, and I was in my 20s then. I'm in my 60s now. Um, Which is incredible, by the way, because you still look absolutely yeah. incredible. Thank you. But it was very daunting and very scary. And even doing the pictures, you know, where we were putting Christmas stuff in front of us, it was, it, it, it just didn't feel very comfortable to do it these days. But we were all in the same boat. And we all, all felt the same way. But when they said that we were doing it with the boys, well, you saw my reaction. I was. Like, I know. Oh no, I hadn't factored that into it as well. Um, I think there's something that stays with us from being little that it's kind of like still boys and girls. Unless you're in an intimate situation, you don't want to be taking your clothes off with each other. No, and especially when they look like that and they're all yeah in their thirties. I just thought, oh my god. But anyway, they did it in such a tasteful way with them behind us, so they didn't see anything and we didn't see anything unfortunately and um <laughs> but there was no way I was gonna you know stand there with the, those pop lids over my boob no, standing there so yeah I sort of said no we're keeping our gowns on <laughs> amazing again something that's really that raises awareness I think it's always incredible when oh, people like you use your position to raise awareness do you know what I mean rather than just so many celebrities and people who do stuff for their own gain. And I think it's amazing when someone like you can come forward and do that. And also representing your age. I think it's amazing to give power to older women. Yes, um, we want to do Strictly next. Oh, well, then here we go. Come on, Strictly. I mean, you'd be amazing on Strictly. I'd love to do that. I really would love to do that. I don't know if I'd have the stamina or the memory to remember all the steps, but I, I really enjoyed watching it this year. I think it was a bit of a highlight of this year watching that. It was. Well, you know what? I think it brought... That and Bake Off for me brought normality to the year. Yeah. It was like a comfort blanket. Do you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. they're things that you can fit um, and portray Artist of the Year, which is so underrated. That oh, I love. I love that program. I want to be on that as well. Oh, right. Okay. Well, we'll petition for that as well. Oh, I love that. Literally, I love that program. I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be the um, subject. I want to do the painting. Oh, do you want to do the painting? Yeah. I love Because you do photography as well, don't you? Yeah, I've got my studio. So I've, I've, been lucky enough to photograph some really famous people and uh, do it for sort of shows and. Uh, and what's that like being the other side of the camera? Because obviously you were the model. What's it like? Have you? Do you think that's helped you be the other side of the camera? Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, some of the trips I got when I was younger um, were because I had an eye for a good picture and I'd help the photographers sort of, you know, choreograph a shot with a different, yeah. and I'd help the new girls with their makeup and, but. The whole thing of the dark room and um, clip tests and all that years ago, I, I thought, oh, I don't think I'd understand. I don't understand it. Or, of course, when when photographic stuff became digital, it's it's easy. It's easy to yeah. use a camera. Um, all right, you've got to get the main the main thing about taking a good picture is the lighting. You can have someone with the most beautiful makeup on, but you light them badly, they look dreadful. Yes. Um, so it's all about the lighting. It's all about um, making people feel relaxed and getting a, a natural smile and, um, you know, whatever you're trying to achieve from the picture, you know, whether it's a dramatic shot or um, – but I love it. And, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of, you know, sort of famous people down at the studio, so it's good. 
Oh, well, that's brilliant. And I think you're right. It's like it's that um, it's so nice when you can build your skills to something else. You know what I mean? It's almost like podcasting for me. And this has come about only because probably I'm used to producing programs. So you, I mean, it's nice when you suddenly realize, oh, yeah, there's other things now in the digital age you can do using the skills we've got. Yeah, and the technology we've got, you know, because I, I do. The, I don't know if you've heard of the Wonder Birds, which is a bit like a loose women that that was uh, created by Debbie Arnold um, right at the beginning of lockdown, and it's now watched by so many people. Um, it's done on Zoom, so there's the four boxes of four. Oh, okay. No, I haven't. Uh, oh, and, have um, we're hoping to do next year like a spin-off one, um, all about beauty and health. So. You know, I've been been doing that quite regularly, so it's kept me busy and um, doing a kept lot. Kept you sane. Yeah. Say again. Guys, I kept you sane as well, like this with me. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, kept me sane. And what with that and the skating and the full Monty, and um, you know, I've been actually quite busy once I've sort of recovered from from being ill. I, I've sort of had quite a lot to do, and and obviously, a lot of people wanted to talk to me about the COVID thing, which I've tried to stop doing now because uh, I know I'm getting on people's nerves and you know so many people have had it out there but you know, I don't think, I, well, god I wouldn't say you're getting on people's nerves but I think actually to put yourself through it constantly is quite hard probably do you yeah. know what I mean it's like you need to kind of bury something something you know and otherwise you know we all know what makes us emotional but and oh, so I was going to say that for kind of find a couple of things obviously you've got the best family Sam's amazing husband Lucy and Jack I mean, you must be so proud seeing both of them excel in what they're doing. Oh, I couldn't be prouder, honestly. This house is always full of music because, I mean, Jack sings like you wouldn't believe as well. His acting career has just gone from strength to strength. He's just, through lockdown, he was um, he was doing a thing called Golden Oldies for Netflix up in Manchester. And then he went and did wow. another series of The A-List, which is already BBC iPlayer did um a couple of years ago so he's done the second series of that um he starred in uh dragon heart vengeance yes yeah that's right that's why i was suddenly like oh my god i'm sure that's linda's son yeah no he was fabulous in that and um so he's gone from strength to strength as an actor um and lucy's music she's been writing in sweden and um like she's been doing some covers during lockdown because it's hard to get the, the you know into the studio and do it yeah yeah so you know i'm happy for them uh you know we're all a bit bit worried about money like everyone else you know um not you know I'm not doing my panto this year and no which is again so sad I mean I know Tom who was on the Christmas special was you know low and Kelsey actually rehearsed you know rehearsed and then before they've even gone on it's been cancelled yeah it's heartbreaking for everybody and it is heartbreaking and but Linda I will always say and I'm like for anyone listening I don't say this often I've always compared you and this won't sound weird to Barbara Windsor because I think you are a one of the loveliest people ever in the industry and no wonder Jack and Lucy have done well because you're just one of those people that's trod the boards you've learned the craft but you've stayed so grounded which I think is amazing to celebrate because it doesn't happen as we know it doesn't happen in this industry much and I think it's just amazing to have people like you out there oh thank you no and I mean uh, you know Sam's done it all as well he's he's been no yeah been you know he's done musicals in the West End playing Dean Martin because he's panto you are panto king and queen really as well aren't you usually and writes it and you know um Lucy and I were going to be together this year as uh, Snow White and the Wicked Queen, but they have offered it, us it again next year. So hopefully, have you done it before? Because did, did she do one with Sam? Have you been in one together yet, or is that? Yeah, going to be we did. Um, we did an Easter one in St Helens, where um, we, she was the good witch and I was the bad witch in Wizard of Oz. And oh, that's brilliant. Um, it's been 
my Cinderella before when I've been an evil stepmother. Um, I don't think she, I think she's been Sleeping Beauty once when I've been Maleficent. But yeah, we've we've worked together quite a lot, and it's great. Um, we love each other's company. We're the best of friends. So yeah, and so to end, a really stupid thing we do called Snog, Marry, and Avoid, where I give you three Emmerdale characters that you would snog, marry, or avoid. And the ones I picked for you are Carl King, Jimmy King, and Paddy. Oh, <laughs> I think I'd have to snog Carl. Yeah, I mean, you've done more than that, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, only in the storyline. Only on the story, yeah, Carrie. Uh, yeah. We're obviously talking Carrie as well, not Linda. Yeah, and I think I'd probably marry, I oh, I feel terrible to Nick now, um, I'd probably marry Paddy because he'd always love me and he'd always be kind, he's a nice gentleman. Yeah, and he's a vet, it's a stable career, that. Yes, and um, I have no reason to avoid Jimmy. Um other than that he's sort of been around a bit, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he would be no use for Carrie that we're talking. So, yeah, you, she should avoid him. Yeah. Oh, and I, actually, I know why I'd avoid him. I remember he did a television programme about all the all his girlfriends and wives and he forgot me. Oh, my God. Oh, so well, that, that, there you are, Nick that, Miles. That's why I forgot. Uh, that's why I forgot. There we go. Yeah, there we go, Nick Miles. Yeah. And Nicola, I think, Nicola, the character, would have Carrie's guts for glasses if she came back to try oh, to steal Jimmy. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be dealing with that. So no, you don't want to be dealing. Well, Linda, it's been amazing to catch up with you. Uh, amazing to have you on here. Um, and here's to the future when we can actually meet up. Because I can, now you're saying it's forty years since Dancing and Eyes. That's really made me go, oh my god. We probably haven't seen each other for more than 10 years i know i know it's it's really wrong it really Which is ridiculous it is really wrong so uh thank you so much and and so i'm much- Lee, i'm so proud of you and where you've what you've gone on to do and what you've achieved since the oh thank day. you very much amazing man and thank I you hope, and i hope i get to work with you oh so do i i hope i get to work with you we're going to get you on portrait artist of the year and and strictly oh, so what- do that oh well i'll definitely give you a bung yeah, and well, because I've got lots of projects in the pipeline with Catherine Tilsley, obviously, drama-wise as well, and I'd love to. There's actually a part we'll talk about separately uh, that I'd love you to do. So, yeah, but it's been amazing to have you on, and let's hope 2021 is much better for everyone listening. Thanks, Liz. I have so many happy memories of working and playing with Linda Lusardi. We had such fun when she was up in Leeds. And thank you so much, Linda, for coming on the show. Remember, there are two episodes every week this series, so make sure you listen to the other one. It's with Hollyoaks legend, one of the original cast, Jeremy Edwards. Remember all week to interact with me on social media at Soap from the Box on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. I'd like to thank, as usual, David and Eileen Stevens and the Bothy for all their edit and technical wizardry and the amazing Ian McCallum for all of his press and PR help. Have a great week, stay safe and speak to you next week. (laughs) 